morning and welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on this production of California Family Council. Happy to be in the studios at the headquarters of Right to Life Central California, mm-hmm. helmed by my good friend and co-host buddy, John Girardi. Good to be here as always. How's everything going? Uh, it's going great. Going good. Great. Uh, we were just talking about domestic issues over the weekend like we were want to do. And, and first off, folks, if you're watching, because um, everybody is doing this, and I, I think it would seem rather cold and calloused and heartless if we did not at least begin today's show, since it is a current events show, with, uh, I know it is a malign phrase to say thoughts and prayers, but in all seriousness, we are praying for the people in El Paso, Texas, in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I was in Dallas over the last weekend, and uh, right as I was getting on the plane, I was seeing the news about the shooting breaking. And I have friends that live about 20 minutes from Dayton uh, and that were there at the vigil, uh, prayer vigil on Sunday. So um, obviously, John, this is not a show that really deals very much about with the Second Amendment or Mm -hmm. gun gun issues. But uh, obviously, anytime you have um, dozens of people that are killed, especially in separate incidents over the course of 24 hours, in this case, 13 hours apart, it's something we just want to pause and say, we, we pray for the souls of those that are living and those that have been killed mm-hmm. and, um, and their families. Yep. And anyway, um, th- th- like I said, it's not our primary topic. I, I will say, John, one thing, and this is going to be very um, unpopular to say, but uh, I, saw a, I saw a post on Facebook uh, for, uh, regarding Mother Teresa's famous quote that, it, that was essentially, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it, but it was essentially, you know, uh, mm-hmm. We shouldn't be surprised when we see uh, death and murder and destruction because if we as a society say that a mother can kill her own child, yeah. what is left? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Violence breeds violence. Yes. And uh, and again, I, I want to be very careful because I know even just saying that, people are going to try to take that out of context. They're going to look and say, oh, are, you, are, you, are you claiming that that is the cause of... And I would say, well, no, no not, not, in a, not in a direct sense, not at all. But I will say, like you said, John, that yeah, violence breeds violence, and when you it's not a, it's it's a grand societal contributing factor of decreasing respect for human life. Right, and I I think um, we could probably spend the entire show talking about that, um, but we might we might come back to that on a future show. I mean, I would I would certainly be open to talking about that, but. Um, since only one of us actually took high-level moral philosophy and ethics classes at Notre Dame, there I, you go. Um, I am a little bit out of my depth on that. Uh, so whatever. why don't I why don't I talk about the issue that I am qualified to opine on? Because anybody who um, breathes and resides within the United States uh, has an opinion on the Democratic debates from last week. So last Monday. We discussed a preview of the Democratic National uh, Committee and the debate that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John, I, I, like I said, I'm going to try to be on a heavy Monday. I'm going to try to be a little bit more lighthearted. There you go. Uh, we had some fun last week. We did. We did. It was a good. It was a good show. Mostly, um, it was just about how um, various ways in which we did not actually know who various of the Dem- I did not know who various of the Democratic candidates are. Um, I still probably, if, I don't know, Steve Bullock, for example, <laughs> were to walk into 
this office and say, hi, my name is Steve Bullock, I probably would not know that he was running for president. Um, so I'll ask you, John, um, true confessions. Did you watch any of the debates? Not a second. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I, and I think that makes me incredibly well qualified to talk about it on the radio. I, I, I think you're right, actually. It actually, I think it gives a different perspective than, I, than you're going to hear from most of talk radio, i.e. I I one of right. pure ignorance. Well, people have not been sitting and watching every second of it, so that's honestly probably a go. good thing. Um, I, uh, I will be playing in the next segment and possibly throughout the day, we'll be playing some segments uh, from different answers. Um, uh, John, the interesting thing about this so far is that the there have been now a total of four debates, two rounds of debates. Mm -hmm. Each round had 10 candidates, and uh, the first round of debates was back at the end of June, and there was... They very specifically, the Democratic National Committee did not want to do what the Republicans did and have two tiers of debates. They were mm -hmm. worried that... Like the, the big kids table and the little kids table. Right. And uh, I don't... I don't know why they don't want that. I, I think maybe the, just they're worried that um, the initial polling is... Uh, it, like, it, are they really going to miss out on some gem of a candidate who's only at, like, 0.5% right now? Yeah. The, so like, that, that, I don't... I, I mean, that, the, that, that didn't happen in the Republican debates, right. and it didn't happen... In, and frankly, what you saw in the Republican debates was if you had one person who was a superstar at the little kid debate... They could jump up to the big kid debate like right. Carly Fiorina did. And that did happen. So, like, I don't know that they're really missing out on something by not doing a big kid, little kid uh, debate format. Other than there are major candidates who have not really interacted with one another yet. Uh, it, all we seem to have is we keep trying to serve up more uh, Kamala Harris versus Joe Biden rematches. And now it's gotten to the point where everyone's kind of, uh, you know, pooping all over both of them. So, yes, other than the fact that Joe Biden is still winning by a large amount, and I'm feeling more and more like I did about Trump, where everyone was talking about all the reasons why Trump wouldn't win other than all of the polling data, <laughs> which all indicated that Trump was going to win the nomination. All of the polling data seems to indicate that Biden's going to win this. So unless I mean, this is such a Twittery thing that so media people love twitter mm -hmm. they're on it all the time yes they live and breathe and die with it and because they think it's really essential to their jobs even though like two percent of the country actually uses twitter at all uh i mean they'd be much better off using facebook frankly <laughs> so but they they oh well twitter and so like after a debate whatever the overreaction is on twitter they think that that is representative of the national trend which led to media people constantly thinking that Trump was not going to win the nomination in 2016. Meanwhile, he won. And they it, it leads to these reactions like Joe Biden. Oh, it's so terrible for Joe Biden. What happened to him when he, you know, forgot the phone, uh, forgot what you were supposed to text to sign up for his, you know, text alerts. Three oh three three oh yeah. 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 Uh, None of that stuff really has hurt Biden that much. Uh, he kind of hurt it. He kind of got hurt a little bit by Harris after the first debate and looked kind of embarrassing at this debate, but he's still winning by a pretty big margin. So, so let me read you, John. This he, is just, this, that's just my, my reaction is that Joe Biden's going to win this thing 
unless and until he does something truly catastrophically bad. So let me, which is within his potential to do. On on the meta side of things, I want to uh, I want to read this to you. It says uh, it, it, this is a, a tweet from Arthur Brooks that I saw a couple of a uh, couple of days ago um, that was just amazing you, you you referenced it and of course i thought i had the right statistic up and now i gotta pull it up you referenced just kind of the echo chamber that is social media in general and that is twitter in particular mm-hmm. the the thing that's that's interesting is that um facebook as you said has incredibly widespread reach yeah in modern countries but even around the world facebook has approximately two billion users two billion users approximately um, and now probably not all 2 billion of those accounts are active, but right, yeah. right. And, and yeah, some of those, you know, it may but be, you're still talking about hundreds of millions of people hundreds, throughout the world. Yes. And in the United States, especially it's a high percentage. Yeah. However, Twitter, Twitter is the thing that seems to drive the debate. Facebook pe- people very rarely talk about, Oh my gosh, you know, did you see that post from the president on Facebook? Yeah. Did you see that, that uh, even a lot of times, as much as we like Facebook live, a lot of times the fact that Twitter is... But, but yet, yeah, notice we use Facebook Live, not, not Periscope, Periscope or, yeah, or Twitter right. or whatever the Twitter uh, equivalent yeah, I, is because more people in our who follow our organizations are on Facebook. Well, like it, and it's, it's just a bigger account. It's and, just a bigger service. And, it, and it's not just the, the raw number of people. It's also, I think, the type of conversations and the type of people. Like for Facebook, most people on Facebook are normal people for the most part they are generally speaking they are regular people which is why we've joked in the past if you're watching this we looked at our statistics one time uh for for our show and they give you if you are managing it as a business account you can see the demographic breakdown of your audience because Mm -hmm. facebook knows surprise surprise if you are watching the if you're watching and you have signed up with an account unless you've completely lied on your profile they know oh this person is approximately this age range and a female is a male they they live in this general vicinity and and to clarify it doesn't show us it doesn't say oh hey such and such is watching and you know it but it does give you aggregated anonymized data Mm -hmm. and the funny thing the joke was that I'm sure our wives also found very funny is that Johnny and I are very popular in the 55 plus, uh, female, female married demographic. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of grandmas like watching us because apparently they appreciate our takes on uh, politics and pop culture. Um, so, so that's, that's the general view of Facebook. Um, on Twitter, this is the quote from Arthur Brooks. He posted this on July 28th. And if you don't know Arthur Brooks, he's the former chair of the American Enterprise Institute, uh, social scientist, uh, really, really brilliant guy. He's now on staff, uh, on staff. He is a professor uh, and senior fellow at Harvard Business School, what? Uh, columnist with the uh, Washington Post. Okay. He said only 22% of U.S. adults are on Twitter, so less than one of five. No, and it's more than one of well, five. Well, okay, you're right. About, I mean, about. I mean, you're, you're technically I mean, right. if you're going to bring math into it. I know. I should have said if 19. So close. Uh, only 22% of U.S. adults are on Twitter. And 80% of the tweets come from 10% of the users. So really, it, 80% of Twitter comes from, is just from 2.2% of the population. Right. And he says, if you rely on Twitter for political information, you are being informed by ersatz pundits residing within 2.2% of the population. So uh, uh, that means that a lot of times if you log on to Twitter, you see given an individual day, you see these huge outrages and you say, oh, my gosh, did you see such and such such and such on Twitter? And the thing is, 
because everyone in media is constantly on their phones looking at Twitter. Twitter becomes it becomes the driver for cable news. The media is in the that ten uh, percent of yeah. users. So it, yeah. it, it gets. It, so Twitter winds up driving cable news. Cable news winds up dri- and back and forth, and this is, you know, this leads to distorted views of what is actually important and what is actually going on. For example, oh my gosh, President in twenty six. 15. Oh, President Trump said something embarrassing. No way is he going to win. Twitter's in consensus on it. Well, yep. No one really cared, and he got the nomination and he won the White House. Uh, I, I can see this happening on the Democratic side. Wow. It is just, uh, it's just crazy, it, but we're going to try to give you a little bit more of a balanced commentary there you go. on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. morning and welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Literally, I have, I have a five-minute break. And that's and when you sneeze. I have to sneeze the second we come back on the air. Yeah. In a, in a studio with no cough button. So <sighs> that's right. Even worse. Well, sorry, folks. That's, that's just some right. real peeling back the curtain yeah. radio for you. Um, happy to be with you on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty, a production of California Family Council. Happy to be with my good friend, John Girardi, who's the executive director of Right to Life Central California. RTLCC.org. Uh, place to be. We're going to be launching our new website probably next week. Oh, so wow. It's going to look very snazzy. Well, that's exciting. We're updating our color scheme, Ooh. updating the, we may be updating the logo soon. Ooh. So, hey, okay. yeah, we're going to, it's going to get rid of that color scheme, which my wife uh, described as exceedingly cool in 2003 so that's right <laughs> or whenever it was that it was redesigned well the, the marine the maroon color does go back to probably at least 2003 so okay, yeah. we did a we did a minor yeah the green is uh that's a rough green yeah it's yeah i'll yeah. just leave it at that okay we're going for a, a dark blue and teal sort of vibe oh. so Kind of copycatting the Obrea colors so anyway well that's you know there could be worse things that you could copycat hey the Obrea colors were like you know, they actually uh, got them like focus group tested and stuff. So, yeah. So anyway, anyway, right to life. Going to be looking slick in 2019. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that anything you can do to increase the uh, reach and the view of right to life and make you seem more hip and with it is always good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hip and with it. That's how I've often been described. So anyway. So, John, I want to... Speaking of people who are hipping with it, (laughs) 76-year-old Joe Biden. So he, Joe Biden, as you will note, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, we are talking about a recap of the Democratic presidential debate. Mm -hmm. And on the uh, 30th of July... July. There you go. I think it was actually... Yeah, it was. Anyway, anyway. Whenever it was. It was the 31st. No, second night. Second night was the 31st. That was when uh, Joe Biden was there. Um, he was getting into a debate with Kirsten Gillibrand, who uh, just, I have to say, John, maybe one of the worst presidential candidates in recent times. She's just 
started out as a true blue dog Democrat. She won her seat in the House of Representatives in the wave of 2006. Mm -hmm. She ran as being a semi-pro gun. She was like a very, very friendly to the NRA. Yes. She ran in upstate New York where Mm -hmm. things are much more, if not conservative, they are at least much more moderate. Yeah. They would elect a Democrat, but she did not lead with her hardcore pro-abortion stance. Mm -hmm. Um, and she has instead started to shift and become much more aggressive on these issues. She really thought that I think um, the Me Too campaign was going to be her springboard into national office. And, and not quite so much. I, I, I think this goes to show, again, we were talking about social media. I have to be very delicate how I say this again because I don't want people to take my words out of context. But I think Kristen Gillibrand's campaign and her entire political strategy over the last two years goes to show why it is not a good idea to completely reinvent yourself and to completely base your entire persona on uh, things that trend on Twitter. Yes. Um, Now, not to say that there is not a real effort and a needed effort to address sexual abuse, sexual harassment, mm. the, you know, the whole culture of Harvey Weinstein and the casting couch, that type of stuff. And then moving on to a, a lot of the other concerns that we've seen raised over the last several years, whether it was things like Roy Moore running for Senate in Alabama right. or other things like that. Al Franken. Al Franken. Which, and, she, which she was really a leader on. Yes. The first Democrat to ask for Hal Franken. And frankly, <laughs> fr- frankly, talking about Franken, uh, I think Gillibrand did not anticipate that um, Frank, okay. If uh, Al Franken had an R next to his name rather than a D, Kirsten Gillibrand would be a hero among the Democrats. Oh yes. and completely lauded and whatever a grand, a total heroine for leading the charge to get a, a Republican sexual harasser out of office. Right. But because Franken is a Democrat, there are a lot of Democrats who are really salty about the fact that uh, salty is a term that uh, for, for those of you. Unfamiliar. This is a millennial term. It means uh, bitter, um, salty, referring to tears, which are salty. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Democrats are very salty about the fact that Al Franken got kicked out of the Senate and are not actually super big fans of Kirsten Gillibrand, which goes to show that their Me Too commitments are, eh, you know, only so far. Uh, I think if Kirsten, if Mitch McConnell had done the same things that Al Franken was accused of and Gillibrand had led him to getting kicked out of the Senate. I mean, she would be, you know, a superhero. But yes, as it as it stands, she realizes uh, the, you know, the Me Too movement only goes so far. And I I think that as a result, she has decided, you know what, I'm going to try to pursue some viral moments and see if there is a way that I can uh, push back and uh, exploit these issues so one of the things that she thought ah okay you know what i have got the i've got the secret weapon i found joe biden's achilles heel and i'm not going to play her entire exchange but i'm just Mm -hmm. setting this up as some as some background um she basically goes after biden and we'll talk about that one in the next segment but real quick i want to play john this this clip of audio from kamala harris and joe biden going back and forth on the fight on the hyde amendment well, I just, you, listen, I mean, talk about now running for president and you change your position. On the Hyde Amendment, Vice President, 
where you made a decision for years to withhold resources to poor women to have access to reproductive health care, and in, including women who were the, the, the victims of rape and incest. Do you now say that you have evolved and you regret that? Because you've only, since you've been running for president this time, said that you had you in some way would take that back or you didn't agree with the decision that you made over many, many years. And for this many, many directly years. impacted so many women in our country. And yep. I personally prosecuted rape cases and child molestation cases. And the experience that those women have, those children have, and that they would then be denied Thank the you, resources, Let the Vice President respond, I think is, is unacceptable. The fact is that uh... The senator knows that's not my position. Everybody on this stage has been in the Congress and the Senator House has voted for the Hyde Amendment at some point. The Hyde Amendment in the past was available because there was other access for those kinds of services provided privately. But once I wrote the legislation making sure that every single woman would in fact be have an opportunity to have health care paid for by the federal government, everyone, that that could no longer stand. I mm -hmm. support a woman's right to choose. I support it's a constitutional right. I've supported it. I will continue to support it. And I will, in fact, move as president to see to that the Congress legislates that that is the law Thank as you. well. well Thank why you, does it take president you so Governor long Inslee to change response? your position on the Hyde Amendment? Why did it take so long until you were running for president to change your position on the Hyde Amendment? Because there was not full federal funding for all reproductive services prior to this point. Okay. Thank you. Governor Inslee, your response? That was a weird exchange. It was. So, first of all, Harris didn't seem to understand that the Hyde Amendment... So, the, the Hyde Amendment... Well, I, we only have 30 seconds left. But there were a lot of factual errors in there, and it seems that Joe Biden believes that Obamacare provided health insurance for literally every single American, which it does not. Uh, right. So. And uh, it's also just amazing to me that something that, as Joe Biden said, if you're in the Senate, if you're in the House, literally you have voted for the Hyde Amendment. And yes. now that is the anathema disqualifying position from Kamala Harris, Yeah, which is just crazy. So when we come back, we'll explain that a little bit more. Wait, what exactly is the Hyde Amendment? Why, is, why is Kamala Harris making such a big deal about it? When we come back on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today. And uh, John, mm -hmm. you'll notice that I've done something very specific for these opening segments here. I have, I have not mentioned the city in which we are broadcasting. I haven't said, good morning. Fresno. That's right. Okay. Um, Were you just afraid you'd accidentally say Bakersfield, like the president who got Toledo and uh, <laughs> yeah, that, similarly got uh, medium-sized American cities mixed up? That, that could have been an option, but okay. I, I also have a listener in particular who I think you might have met him before. He is the, um, uh, his name is Alex Goddard who coincidentally is related, related to, to Kyle, Goddard. Kyle Goddard. There you go. Uh, he messaged me on... Uh, this is Kyle's brother? Yes. Okay. He messaged me Wednesday morning and said, you should definitely open the next episode with, good morning, Baywood. <laughs> Even though I live in Los Osos and only locals call it Baywood, just to shake things up. Oh, man. So I replied and said, you know, hey, that could be a, a perk for premium subscribers. So um, Alex, even though you did not 
agree to make a donation to California Family Council. Now that I have given your city a shout out, I, I expect, expect that we will see you to log on to CaliforniaFamily.org, click it's the donate button. Real transactional relationship. That's, you've that's got right. Yeah. I, it is blackmail. There it is go. social media blackmail. Is he the football player? Uh, he was a football player. In fact, he played. Uh, he played a Benedictine, right? He did. Yeah. He did in Atchison, Kansas. I remembered meeting him. He's very large. He is. He. Um, uh, Kyle is not a small man. He's fairly tall. He's, you know. He's uh, bigger than Kyle. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Alex is a um, is a sturdy individual. Yes. He, he definitely looks like he could have played football. So, In the words of my dad, he looks like a brick bleep house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Built like a brick bleep house was my dad's Brrr. way of co- complimenting someone who looked like he could beat the living crap out of someone. Anyway. And, and that's probably true. There so. you go. All okay. right. So, good morning, Baywood. Um, if you would like your city to be featured in a <laughs> shout-out. Just write on, a personal check to Jonathan right. Keller. We, <laughs> I said to California family. Yes. There. Not not to me, but it is. we do it all for uh, all for CFC. So, if, you, if you'd like to go online, make a donation. And just in general, you know, John, because it is summer and you know, mm-hmm. fundraising is a little slow. I will just reiterate that if, if you would like to support the free radio slash podcast slash Facebook live that you are listening to, you can always go to CaliforniaFamily.org, click that big red donate button and uh, chip a little bit of cheddar our way. There you go. We'd appreciate that very much. Help Jonathan's baby eat. That's right. And man, goodness knows that kid can eat. Yes. Oof, Apparently this it. morning, uh, my large child, Jack, who just turned one, <laughs> um, he, uh, ate more than his two-year-old sister so wow and that's saying something because sophie is not sophie eats uh, a ton too yeah yeah wow anyway poor uh poor maddie your oldest is going to be you know it's going to be eaten out out of of house and home yeah there you go okay all right okay so the actual title of the show if you're watching on facebook live is recapping the debate so yeah uh, john you did not watch any of it we did talk about that clip in the last segment with kamala harris and uh joe biden I, and it was discussing biden's history with the hyde amendment let, let, let me play just f- for reference in case people are just tuning in or you're watching this on facebook let me play the beginning of that clip and then john i, I want you to comment on the mm-hmm. as you said the mistaken errors that kamala harris made about both joe biden's record and federal funding of abortion in general yeah well, I just, you, listen, I mean, talk this about now running for president and you change your position. On the Hyde Amendment, Vice President, where you made a decision for years to withhold resources to poor women to have access to reproductive health care, and in, including women who were the, the, the victims of rape and incest, do you now say that you have evolved and you regret that? Because you've only, since you've been running for president this time, said that you had you in some way would take that back or you didn't agree with the decision that you made over many, many years. And this directly impacted so many women in our country. And I personally prosecuted rape cases and child molestation cases. All right. All right. Yeah. So, okay, a couple of things. One. So for those who don't know what the Hyde Amendment is, the Hyde Amendment is this rider. It gets attached to the federal budget essentially every year. The Democrat Party is opposed to it. The Republican Party supports it. The Hyde Amendment basically says that no federal dollars that support any federal health care program, chiefly Medicaid, can be used to pay for abortion directly. The only exceptions that the Hyde Amendment, where the Hyde Amendment does allow federal dollars to pay for abortion, are abortions in the cases of rape or incest. Now, originally when the Hyde Amendment was introduced in 1976, it did not have this rape or incest exception. So Harris seems to be characterizing the Hyde Amendment as not containing an exception for rape and incest, 
that is not that has not been the case. I think effectively the entire time that she was serving as a prosecutor and quote prosecuting people for rape and incest crimes. Right. Um, the Hyde Amendment has always had that rape and incest exception during for I'd guess Harris's entire adult life. Now she might be referencing that Biden voted for the Hyde Amendment in the seventies when it didn't have a rape or incest ex- exception. But frankly, Kamala Harris. Uh, I mean, the Senate is just passing right now a budget deal uh, that uh, McConnell and Pelosi and Trump all sort of brokered, which is going to include the Hyde Amendment this year. So I don't know how Harris has voted on it, but this was brokered between Democrat leadership. So there are presumably Democrats in the House, at least, who are all voting for this new budget, and they're going to be voting for the Hyde Amendment. Um, Furthermore, I mean, now... Harris is right to point out that Biden has flip-flopped on the Hyde Amendment. He has flip-flopped dramatically and incredibly uh, just in the last two months. Flip, flop, flip. Yeah. Uh, in the past two months, Biden flip-flopped on a policy position that he maintained for, I don't know, 35, 40 years of public service. Um, so she's right to call him out on it, but she's got a couple of, there are a couple of things in it where I think she just had some factual errors, but then Biden follows it up with some factual errors of his own. Um, Yes. So Biden then justifies it by saying, well, I've changed my position on it because circumstances changed. And now uh, abortion care is fully covered. Every American has abortion care fully covered. And that's why now I insist on uh, repealing the Hyde amendment (laughs) as it, which I think is a reference to Obamacare that Obamacare covers everybody which it does not cover everybody like that's that's one of the main liberal objections is that it covers it covers more people but it does not cover everybody so it, it also is just a bizarre way to say it because it's it, it sounds like he's saying well now that we have more universal coverage and more people would be subject to getting free abortions paid for by the government now i support it yeah i mean i guess what he's saying is more people have government funded health insurance so therefore we need the government to pay for it because that's the only way that poor people who have government-funded health insurance are going to be able to get it. Now that so, we're giving you STD care for free from the government, I guess we'll give you abortions too. Yeah, so it, it, I, it's I, just, I don't know. Yeah, so I, No I, I, abortion for some of you until we have health care for all of you. And right. It, it just, it, and let, let's note the timeline. Uh, 1980, so before 1988, uh, Joe Biden was pro-life. In 1988, Biden said, I'm pro-choice, but I favor the Hyde Amendment. From 1988 until 2019, Biden maintained that position. And within a month in, I think it was what, April or May of 2019, Biden switched his position on the Hyde Amendment. Actually, he switched it and switched it back and switched it again in the course of a single week. But so Biden has tremendously flip-flopped on the Hyde Amendment, but Harris is totally off base on it too. Anyway, it's all screwed up and the federal government should not pay for abortion. I 100% agree. And the fact that that is becoming the new litmus test is highly concerning. And we will talk about that and more of the debate recap when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Shout out to Baywood! There you go. There you go. 
Shout out to you, Alex Goddard. There you go. Anyone else who lives in any other part of the country can get a shout out. By the way, can I can I complain? Sure. Can I rant? Go for it. Can I be an old person in the room for a second? Um, the concept of a shout out. Yes. Where did it come from? Why? What does it do? It does it. I mean, like, I think it came from rappers who would say who, you know, they wanted to rap their, you know, whatever. And they'd say, yo, shout out to Long Beach or, you know, shout out to whatever. Um, people use the term shout out to uh, constantly now. Millennials of all shapes and sizes and really white people. Um, <laughs> my as, as saying a side, as a side uh, yeah, note, yeah, I have to interrupt your, your rant because my wife just texted me and said, Johnny, aren't you always complaining? Yeah. Yeah, I am, Julia. That's, that's, that's what I do. Complain. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm a radio man. Old man yells at cloud. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> Live at 11. Um, stop saying shout out. All right. I'm, and I'm, I'm directly talking to Chris Saliza. Ah. People like him. Like yeah. extremely white people who go on CNN who say, oh, shout out to so-and-so. So-and-so's not listening. So-and-so doesn't care. They might be. No, they're not. So enough people who say shout out to everything and anything like no one cares. No one cares about your stupid media venture. All right. Well, I'm done. I, I, uh, I disagree. All right. I, I think that. Well, as the millennial like, representative in the room. That's you right. Can <laughs> people like Alex Goddard and other people who are listening, I give you all a shout out. If you, would right. if you would like a shout out, you can share this video on Facebook. You can tweet the podcast. You can, uh, yeah, tweet tweet me personally. If you would Jonathan like, Keller. A, if you would like an acknowledgement and a greeting <laughs> from an adult, <laughs> you can find me at Fresno Johnny on Twitter. You know, it is funny because he also met, mentioned to me uh, that he didn't know uh, Alex. Yes, Alex didn't quite understand how to to listen to our show because uh, how did he how did he put it? I got to read you here, because um, in. Los Osos, is that where you live? They, they don't have AM sixteen eighty. The answer, uh, yes, power, AM, yes. yeah, AM sixteen eighty. He said, uh, he he said, uh, talk radio. I, I mentioned jokingly. I said, hey, if you want a shout out, that could be a perk for premium subscribers. You know, just five dollars per month, and you get a shout out to your hometown at the opening. And he said, you have a super secret membership like Costco. And he said, I honestly didn't know. Since you guys don't say like, comment, and subscribe, what kind of millennials are you? Yeah, that's true. Like, comment, subscribe, and then unlike, relike. Comment, unsubscribe, resubscribe, recomment, recomment, re-rate, and review. That's right. I, I will say, you know, John, maybe we don't do a good enough job of uh, of promoting this. So I, I will say, if you're listening to Life, Family, Liberty, you can like, comment, and subscribe. You can share these episodes on Twitter, on Facebook. You can go. It, it would actually help us if you go to the iTunes store and you rate us five stars only please i think that's actually required you have to say five stars only please if you're asking for ratings on itunes um and then you can share it with people it helps boost us in the rankings and get more notice so yeah i'll, I'll just say that there you go okay you go. so thanks again alex uh i hope you feel sufficiently included he, he did say uh, how did he put it here he said um um Oh, how did he put it here? He said, yeah, I like that. I know a podcaster and you and John make me feel like I'm just hanging out and chatting with you guys. Oh, there you go. That's See? just the, that's just the vibe we create. That's right. Just a couple of bros sitting around, having sitting some around talking about politics. That's it's right. Just, this is what the show is. Drinking some coffee, yo. Yeah, exactly. I, I need another one, man. I, I'm I chugged a nice coffee on the way in, um, but uh, I'm 
I'm I'm tired. I don't know I, why. No, I, I hear you. I, I fell asleep not, on my couch again. That, well, I hate to say it. I did not fall asleep on my couch, but I felt like it. I was up late working on stuff, and uh, it's always a hard thing when you when you fall asleep while you're working on stuff, and your your poor exhausted wife is already in bed. So you try to like quietly sneak in without awakening her, which is which is always tricky. So yeah, just pulling back the domestic curtain here at both the Keller and Girardi households, respectively. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, so uh, we've been talking as technically as the subject of the show about the Democratic national debate. And uh, John, going out to a bigger picture here, it's interesting to me the things that the uh, Democrats are choosing to focus on and discuss. Uh, They spent a lot of time on both days talking about health care. That was the primary issue. They They spent a huge amount of time talking about healthcare coverage, talking about the need to cover people that don't have coverage, the need to expand Medicare, possibly to do Medicare for all. And John, the thing that was kind of amazing to me that was just bizarre, again, I know you didn't listen to the whole debate, but that that puts you in a good position because I think most other people didn't either. I was amazed at how few times they brought up the reason we currently have the healthcare system that we have. Uh, one reason for that was because we had a president for eight years whose vice president was debating there on the stage. Right. They passed something that the vice president, uh, in the FCC appropriate way, leaned over to Barack Obama as he was making his uh, victory speech and said, this is a big bleeping, bleeping deal. deal. <laughs> so he realizes what a big bleeping deal this was. Right. And yet Obamacare was basically almost never mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this big thing they had to tiptoe around the 800 pound well, elephant. Yeah. Because it, there's this very far left notion. Obamacare did not go far enough that, right. that what we wanted was universal health care, that that was an option on the table, a single payer system and Obama backed off on it because he just needed something that would pass. And, and not only not only universal health care coverage, John, but universal health care coverage for every person living in the country, including those who are here illegally. Right. Which which just is a side note. I just have to point out again how pe- people talk about the fact, oh, you know, the, the, the right wing, the Republican Party under Trump, you know, un- under these last few years, even under McConnell and Ryan, it's moved so far to the right. It's so extreme. Okay. Let's remember (laughs) that when President Obama addressed Congress, I believe it was 2009. Some of you may not remember this. Some of you might not be old enough. But in 2009, only only a scant 10 years ago, there was this huge controversy because when President Obama went to the House and he addressed the House talking about health care, there was a representative, Joe Wilson, who I think was from South Carolina. You lie. Yeah. He actually shouted out in the middle of President Obama's speech, you lie. Mm-hmm. Now, John, why in the world would he say something? Was he was he talking about How dare he? actuarial tables? Was he talking about coverage for abortion? No. The specific point that he objected to mm-hmm. was when President Obama said, my health care plan will not cover those in the country illegally. Mm-hmm. And, and Wilson said, you lie. Yes, because the fear was, among many on the right, that not only are we going to take over the healthcare industry, not only are we going to kick people off of their healthcare plans, and not only will they not be able to keep their doctor or their healthcare plan, despite mm-hmm. President Obama's statements, uh, 
it is going to further make things difficult by providing free health care coverage to those people who are not paying taxes, who mm-hmm. did not legally immigrate to the country. Yeah, and going to further incentivize right. unlawful methods of immigration. Yeah, if you know that anywhere in the country, not just from uh, South America, not just from Central America, not just from Mexico, but if you know that from anywhere in the world, you can get to the United States and you will get free health care coverage and you will essentially have that indefinitely for life. You won't have to pay for it. If there's any conceivable way that you can get here, I mean, yes, it's it's not cheap to get to the United States. But theoretically, if you can get here and stay, whether it's via immigrating over the southern border or through a visa overstay program, and you know that you're going to be able to have an expensive health care operation, expensive health care procedure done, uh, that's a huge incentive. So President Obama had really made efforts to ensure and to usher the people of the United States that, no, 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 my health care plan, it's not going to cover illegal immigrants. It's not going to cover all these other types of uh, situations. Mm-hmm. And yet now that is the status quo. And if yeah, you do it has not to cover, cover, if you don't cover unlawful immigrants, you you're, are, you're chased off the debate stage. Yes. You're, you're an evil, hateful person. So John, it, it really does beg the question. No, it asked the question. It seeks, it raises the question. I, I, as, as the words were coming out of my mouth, you I, knew was like, I was That's, judging. Yeah, you. yeah. I, I, I knew. <laughs> um, but John, it, it's just, it raises it, the question. It, it's just an example. Again, we're not primarily uh, a healthcare policy show. We're not primarily talking about the, uh, the issues of immigration, but I think the, the key issue is how far the, Democrats have moved on a lot of these issues and they've moved so far left on abortion, John, that I, I think that is why they really don't want to talk about it. And right. it's, it's frankly frustrating to see the democratic, um, debates. They're essentially given a pass on the abortion issue from the media. Um, I actually think that Jake Tapper, at least, generally tries to do a better job than almost any other mainstream journalist. I think generally he's more fair than most, mm-hmm. cer- certainly much more fair than Don Lemon. Yeah, um, yeah, Don Lemon's yeah. Cer- certainly much more fair than uh, Rachel Maddow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really surprised that really neither Chuck Todd or Jake Tapper they didn't even try to push back on how incredibly aggressive the Democrats are being. Yeah. Well, it's because everyone in the media thinks that the Democrats are totally sane and normal because they all agree with the Democrats on all, on essentially every policy question. Like they're, they're like the media has had this role that's been given this role, inherited this role that we've somehow given them as being the neutral arbiters of American politics. And so they, they purport to have some position of like moderation or impartiality. But human beings aren't don't work like that. Human nope. beings believe things and think things and agree with things. So that naturally has impacted Chuck Todd's spectrum of what is and isn't extreme. That's so, right. Yeah, I don't think he thinks the Democrats are not that all of them are that extreme. And so we will get back on a future episode before the next debate. We will give more analysis. But for now, we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Like, comment, subscribe to Life, Family, Liberty.